No, I say, I say to the fans that the fans are the fans and the fans have the right to have their opinions and to have their reactions. Football, everything. I'm so happy, believe me. I'm so happy. Lewandowski, you know, Robert Lewandowski. Dream team, dream team. Fire, swoosh. I am flabbergasted and they're here. I wouldn't even let them on the bus after the match. I would get a taxi back to Manchester. The only time a tennis ball has ever made me angry. What's viral on Twitter for us tonight is tennis ball. These boys are fucking mentality <laughs> giants. It's unbelievable. This is a great football and country produced players and where we play that rubbish. Yeah. In August 2020, yeah, I'm taking over and that's still decided. I'm angry, I'm angry, Tony, I have to be honest. Stephen Kenny, we've won it. So go on, go back to Scotland and get lost. And I'm certainly going to be a part of that. I'm going to manage that. I'm going to make sure we're even better. And Vitek is there! Thierry Henry, Vincent Clark, Raoul Nazar, Gabriel Zabo, and Constantine the Horse. Well, Mete Jug, you've just made the list of Irish sporting villains with that one. Hello and welcome to an Irish football Three of the Bank podcast special to take a look at the incredible Ireland performance against Portugal last night and to look ahead in what feels like a little bit of a turning point for the country in the Kenny era. Joining me is Enda Higgins and Mr. Kenny Kids himself, Ronan Calvert. How are you, lads? Not too bad. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. Well, lads, what a night. I mean, it felt like a long time um, since I was so enthralled and, and entertained by an Ireland game. Um, and for mostly the right reasons, it has to be said. Um, I mean, a hell of a performance from some of the lads out there. The passing, the counter-attacking, um, breaking up of the play in a kind of a matter or in a manner that we had hoped to see under Kenny. Um, but also immense defensively, despite being under the cosh for huge portions of the game. Um, the VAR incident, obviously, and then for the penalty and only for Gavin Bazuna to step up and save it. Um, forever cementing himself in, in Irish football folklore there. Um, Omar Bami Daly coming in for his debut and, and looking immense at just 19. Jimmy McGrath's first start. I mean, Josh Cullen spraying passes with the outside of his boot. Um, you had Ida looking like he could well be the answer to our, our number nine needs leading the line um, and doing a superb job against Pepe. Um, I mean, uh, Matt Doherty probably delivered his best performance in our shirt. So there were so many positives to take away from it. And then, obviously, it looked like we were just about to take all three points until a certain Cristiano Ronaldo broke Irish hearts. Two unbelievable headers, it has to be said. Um, completely anonymous otherwise for, for 90-odd minutes only to pop up with uh, with the two headers. Um, I mean, my heart just sank. I was gutted for everyone. I was gutted for, for Kenny especially. Um, my heart sank when I saw Omar Bamadeli just fall to his knees when the ball went in. Um, and before we get into some of the, the incidents and, and individual performances, what did you uh, take away from it all? Yeah, it was just an incredible night, really. It had a feel of almost the World Cup 2002 qualifying campaign where, you know, Ireland are up against us. a superior opposition, but not looking outclassed at all. Um you know, the start was not overly encouraging, but once the penalty was saved, I, I think the quality of football that Ireland produced for sort of the next 60, 70 minutes after that was some of the best we've seen in a very, very long time. Um, you know, as you said, Doherty was exceptional. Seamus Coleman never lets us down anyways, but, you know, in that back three role, really looked phenomenal. Uh, Bazunu, Ida, I mean, the control and the movement of Ida was just... We, we we just haven't seen that from an Ireland number nine in a very long time. 
Um, and it was really only Connolly and, and maybe Jeff Hendrick who just let us down slightly in terms of their execution compared to the level that everybody else was playing at at the time. Um, so it was a really, really encouraging night for Kenny. I mean, 89 to 90 minutes of pretty much how he would have dreamed the match going in his head in terms of not just how Ireland played, but the personnel. You know, he would have loved a performance from Bazunu. Um, obviously, bringing on um, Omar Bermadeli was a bit of a risk at the time, actually, but it, it really paid off. He looked absolutely exceptional. Um, and, and then, as I said earlier, what Ida produced was absolutely phenomenal, and that freed up so much space for Connolly, who unfortunately wasn't able to take advantage of it um, as we needed at the time. We probably did need that second goal, um, especially the chance when he got through near the end. But overall, a hugely encouraging night in terms of the direction that Kenny is trying to take the squad and really those young players who, you know, all of our hopes and dreams uh, are in the hands of going forward in the next kind of five to ten years. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go saying what Enda said there. Like, I thought we had a really solid base throughout the whole game. Just we defended really well, and I thought the shape that Stephen Kenny put out just suited every single player um, exceptionally. Like, so our three defenders at the back I thought were excellent. Um, Daryl Shea was really good while he was on. Oma Bamadele was exceptional, just looked so calm for his age, especially. And yeah, I just thought we got the maximum out of every single player. So like Matt Doherty, without doubt for me, had his best performance for us on the left-hand side. Um, Seamus Coleman was excellent riding up and down like all day. And probably the most interesting part of all is probably like just Jamie McGrath um, and how he played because I suppose there's probably times over the last 12 months where we're maybe calling out for like a more kind of creative midfielder or number 10. And the great thing about Jamie McGrath is not only does he have those attributes such like create chances and he has a lovely range of passing, but he can also kind of work in that like number eight role where he's like working really hard and he's winning tackles and he, you know, is a really useful team player as well. So I'd like to see a lot more of him go forward. And I think that midfield with him and uh, Cullen is definitely a good option, especially when uh, Jason Knight is out. Um, so look, overall, like really, po- really uh, positive, to be honest. So even though we lost, like I had, you know, positive feelings after the game as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a, a jug bashing sort of a podcast i mean we've 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 all vented our fury at the referee over the over the past uh few hours on twitter and whatnot in fairness i have calmed down slightly i mean um there are a couple of elements i'm sure we'll get to but i mean the first big call was was the penalty um uh, given to um uh, it was jeff hendrick sorry that uh conceded the penalty i thought it was soft. i mean the whole scenario was so bizarre by going to uh, VAR for three or four minutes. Um, I mean, he, he I've never seen an instant take so long for a referee to review it um, at the screen himself. So, like, I do wonder what was going through his mind. Like, was he finding every possible angle he could to give this to penalty? But, um, I mean, what a save for Bizzuno. I mean, the kid, the kid is just pure ice cold. I... I I'd love, like I said on Twitter, I'd love to stick a heart rate monitor and see like what, what sort of numbers you're getting because he's so calm. And I mean, even after the penalty, he was like no reaction, like no real kind of, you know, expression of emotion. It was just pure and utter coolness. And in fairness, I mean, it looks, I know he's only in League One at the moment uh, with Portsmouth unknown from Man City, but it does look like we found an absolute star here in, in, and our number one for, for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he just 
the whole game, apart from maybe a couple of dodgy passes out from the back in the first five to ten minutes, he just looked an absolute unit, so calm throughout the night. Um, and it's just been such an important position for Ireland to fill. You know, since losing Shea Given and even Given at the end of his career was, wasn't really at the standard that we needed at the time. Um, and I remember seeing Bazunu playing, uh, I think it was a Europa League qualifier for Shamrock Rovers a few years ago. And I just thought it then he just looked absolutely phenomenal. But he, even since then, he, he's improved so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, going forward, as you said, the ref, <laughs> it was one of those referee performances where you even felt early on he was going to have a big night, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> positively or negatively. Uh, I mean, even that Bernardo Silva challenge early on, I mean, that was pretty nasty, I felt at the time. Uh, and then, Kevin, as you said, that, you know, taking so long over VR, usually when the referee spends three or four minutes at the screen looking at a penalty, slowed down to that level. Uh, it usually does go against the attacking team. So, and it just seemed to escalate from there um, to the point where you might as well have given him a jersey at the end. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't have Ronaldo for a selfie by the end, you know. Yeah. Um, it was just no. very awkward, very. I, I wouldn't be overly upset at kind of the playing the 20 extra seconds, even though I did expect him to blow up when Ireland cleared from the box, uh, right on the stroke of five minutes. But that aside, everything else just felt in, certainly in Portugal's favour with the referee. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd rather not think about think about that too much. But, you know, seeing what Bazunu could do in the next three to four years, I mean, we saw some performances from the guys last night. Um who, are, who should go to the very, very top uh, in English football in particular. And we've not really been in that situation in a very, very long time since really Brian Kerr was, um, you know, managing youth teams or under-21 teams. You think of, you know, the lads who came through in maybe 97, 98. Uh, I think Ida, Omar Daly and Bazunu are all in that level now, um, which is really, really exciting for us going forward. Yeah, I was going to uh, kind of say the same as what Enda was saying there. Like, whereas those youth players will just be so, so important over the next, like, 10 years. Ida, especially, who we haven't really mentioned yet, like, as a striker and his hold up play was so mature. Like, I, to be honest, like, we've seen bits of Ida for Norwich and for us as well in the, like, Nations League and stuff where he has been good in patches, but he hasn't really put together a full performance yet at all. And I thought it could take three or four years to see a performance of that level from him. But like he just really kind of blew me away last night with the hold up play and his running into the channels and stuff. And like people said, if we get a goal score beside him, then we could be looking at a really strong team. And hopefully either Conley can find some confidence in form or maybe Parrot is still that man. So it'll be interesting to see over the next while anyway. But um, yeah, I think he's definitely worth a fairly big shout out like after last night. Yeah, I mean, there was some shift in fairness. Even well into 80 minutes, he was still running the channels um, and putting Pepe through his paces. I mean, like it's not like he was coming up against two plumbers. He was, he was coming up against, uh, <laughs> you know, Diaz, obviously huge, a huge player for, for City and, and, and player of the year last year. And Pepe, who obviously he's not um, he's not who he once was, but, you know, I mean, he's bags of experience. And, I mean, a 19-year-old striker who hasn't done a whole pile at club level should be bread and butter for him. But, I mean... You do have to take into consideration that Ida, he's still 19 and he's very little club minutes behind his belt. So if we did get, you know, a run of games, maybe a loan spell somewhere, obviously that's not going to happen now. But if he did get going at all, and he does have plenty of time to do so, I mean, he could turn into a hell of a centre forward. 
Yeah, what do you make of uh, Conley, lads, actually? Um, I saw a mixed reaction to Conley's performance last night. <laughs> it's funny, uh, myself and Kevin were texting in the group with Phil and neither of us were uh, overly impressed with what he has done. We were actually talking about him on uh, Monday night uh, when all the predictions were for Ede and Conley to start up front. And I felt that that was really, really rough on Parrot, who's had an excellent start to the season. Whereas Conley, it almost feels like he's living off that you know, uh, reputation he got from that Spurs performance, which is a very, very long time ago. Now at this stage, I, I can understand why Kenny keeps picking him because on paper he has the type of attributes he, he needs from the type of strikers he likes. I mean, he's always been a Nita fan anyways. I mean, he was his go-to. He was the go-to man at under-21s as well, so I'm not surprised that he's getting so many minutes under him. But the difference in quality between those two players is massive. And, you know, Eden needs a genuine goal scorer beside him. And, you know, Conley is one of these more modern, wide forward players with pace. But, uh, you know, they lack a lot of end product. And that's not what Eden needs beside him. And, you know, I texted the group last night saying we're Robbie Keane away from being 3-0 ahead against Portugal, you know. And that's <laughs> yeah. what it really felt like. Especially the, the... Yeah, especially the chance near the end where... You know, all he needed to do was just control and he was through on goal. And then all of a sudden he didn't. He was pushed wide and the chance was lost. Whereas you saw what Ida was doing, running the channels. His touch was just exceptional. Um, and, you know, s- such a, you know, polished performance from a 19-year-old. Whereas mm-hmm. Conley, Conley looked like the 19-year-old still kind of finding his way through the game or, you know, a bit hit and miss, you know. So um, he's definitely really raw, like still, isn't he? And he yeah, has really erratic shots. But see, see, the argument I would have made was at the same time he did seem to get in behind Portugal a bit, and he was a bit of a nuisance because he is so energetic and he is quick. And like I was kind of the way I would have framed it was possibly like Portugal would have preferred to play against Parrot, who wouldn't have the same energy or cause much hassle in that kind of way. So like maybe Conley's more of a nuisance, but like the end product isn't what you'd want. So I can see why you'd pick him for those legs up front, especially and catch him on a counter-attack. But like, yeah, he has a long way to go in terms of composure and, um, you know, using his street smarts. Like. It does feel like his career has kind of gone in reverse slightly. I mean, the the reputation he picked up for himself so quickly with, the, with those two goals against Spurs a couple of years back. Um, I mean, he hasn't done very little since then. Um, and a lot of the things have been, you know, it's like putting the cart before the horse. He's been given a new contract at Brighton. He's a number seven short. I don't know if he's done a huge pile to earn any of that yet. Um, and even in an Irish short, I mean, he's been, obviously he's been so unlucky with injuries and the COVID situation last year. Um, but I do feel like, you know, I was thinking last night, it, it would someone like Helen Robertson have suited that role a little bit better, would have been able to get closer to Ada in certain situations. Um, and I mean, like, You'd imagine Connolly will come good eventually. Um, you know, he has he is a little bit raw, like you said, Ronan. Um, I, I, I do wonder, could he have done with maybe a season or two in the championship to build himself up slightly? Um, because he, he, to me, the more I see him, the more I don't think he is Premier League level yet, uh, even though kind of Brighton have forced the issue there. Um, and he is involved in the matchday squads and stuff, but, he, you know, he is getting uh, minutes here and there. But I do think he is a little bit far off um, Irish standard yet. Um, I do wonder if everyone is available and fit, is he making the starting 11 ahead of someone like Callum Robinson? Um, but, I mean, the other element to his game, I mean, like you said, he tracks fouls, 
he um you know he does well in that regard um the, the penalty i thought it was a stonewall penalty but i do wonder was it a little bit a case of, of the boy who cried wolf in that case um obviously it should have gone to var but i mean he was he, he was upended from behind just as he was winding up a shot like I, I don't know how any var scenario doesn't look at that yeah it was fairly shameful, really. Like, in fairness, maybe uh, if he wasn't taken out, maybe he would have scored that chance. People wouldn't be criticising today as well. Like, you know, it can work that way sometimes. But um, for sure, like, there is room for improvement. And I think Callum Robinson would have definitely played if he was fit because he's obviously in top form. And, you know, Stephen Kenny has kind of made a point of, you know, play, he's kind of realised over the last 12 months that players that are playing for their clubs is actually quite an important thing, you know, in these international windows. And, you know, maybe I think... For the Azerbaijan match, especially, I think he might retain the players who have been playing regularly. But the guys like Hendrik, who don't have much minutes, I'd say they'll probably come out because you know they need to be match sharp for these windows. Yeah, I think Robinson has a lot more to his game, but I think the the elephant in the room, and I think you mentioned it in your intro there, Kevin, is Odubeko really because I mean I I saw what he did last year for West Ham under twenty threes, and he just looked absolutely phenomenal in terms of how he's able to finish a chance. And I think he would have been a, a Stephen Kenny striker all over, but unfortunately, I'd say we've lost him at this stage. Um, I'd be very surprised if he if he wore an Ireland shirt again. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, are on that, Ronan. Yeah, I think Jim Crawford with the 21 seems fairly fed up with him at this stage anyway. Like he's kind of said, we've done everything we can. It's just over to him at this stage. So it is like really disappointing to lose someone like that. Obviously, like it's not every day we get someone of his quality coming, coming through the ranks. And I'm sure he would have been like a really um, good prospect. And David Moyes seems to rate him really highly at West Ham. So I think having another striker option there would be very useful. Hopefully, Obafemi now leaving Southampton, joining Swansea could could provide something similar to what Odebeko would, but I reckon it's possible Odebeko has uh, has a higher ceiling that we could do it as a perfect partner for Adamido front. Leds, in terms of the midfield, I mean, we, we do have a kind of a, a wide category of players who do a job every now and then, but when you look at their club form, they're not getting minutes or they're in and out of teams. Um, I mean, Horahan has got his own switch to the championship. Malumbi also as well to West Brom. Um, Hendrik hasn't been hugely involved in um, with Newcastle lately. But in, we've one player who is playing week in, week out um, is Josh Cullen after he got his move to Anderlecht. Um, I mean, we I suppose we were all hoping he'd break into the West Ham side eventually and that didn't happen. But I mean, that was probably one of the better midfield performances we've seen in a long time in terms of breaking up play. But also having that just extra quality to find those passes into, into the final third. I mean, some of the the uh, the passes, and uh, Ronan, you, you posted a few um, gifts on Twitter today. I mean, absolutely sublime little outside of the boots, breaking up play. That, that's not something we've seen a huge pile of from Ireland over the years. Yeah, I thought Colin was like really good and he just looked like such a, a confident performance as well. You know, when you were trying all those outside the foot passes and the way he kind of dropped deep looking for possession time and time again. Like it's exactly what we've been kind of crying out for for years. Like whether it's James McCarthy or Whelan in, in midfield, like people always, always want to see that. And Cullen, although he kind of shied away from it in games like the Luxembourg match, like um, last night he just kept on looking for the ball and he was progressive in his passing, I thought. And he worked really hard out of possession as well. He seemed to get a few headers, um, a few headed clearances, like and a few tackles in as well. So like it was a really positive performance. And I think now. You talk about like our, our midfield options. I reckon like Colin 
he's probably the only one who you can say is probably a nail down starter now because with like and like obviously are quite a quality European team. Um, if you start for them every week, that's you know a great sign. And for us, he performed really well too. So I think it's a case of who you put alongside him. So whether that's a Harrin or Hendrik Malumbi, uh, I'm not sure. But you probably need him one defensive player and then possibly just one ahead of him like Jamie McGrath or Jason Knight when he comes back. That's probably the way I'd be looking. Yeah, it's a really nice set of options, actually, when you look at McGrath, Cullen, Malumbi, um, and players to come back as well, compared to the throwback <laughs> midfield of Andrews and Whelan, which were panned, which did the job. But it's a far more technical set of options that we have now, which is really what Kenny is going to be all about. Um, and, you know, you look at that, the average age of the group of midfielders we have available, if you remove Hendrick, you're talking about a group of 22 to 24 year olds. So again, everything with Ireland is sort of built with the next three to four years in mind. Um, and I think our spine looks as strong as it's been in a very, very long time. Uh, I suppose the only concern would be, you know, <laughs> people like Hendrick still sneak their way into starting lineups <laughs> in important <laughs> matches when, you know, he's not really kicked the ball for Newcastle. He had a pretty bad night. Um, Last night, I felt, when you compare it to the rest, not just the penalty incident, which could have gone either way, but I just think, you know, of the 11 who started and um, Obama Daly who came on, I think there was two or three who probably let us down a little bit. And I think Hendrick would be one of those, considering his experience. I mean, that should have been made for him. Uh, but Colin and McGrath looked far more um, up for it and in tune with what was required on the evening than Hendrik, who who was really, really sloppy, I felt. Yeah, I mean, on McGrath, I mean, I think I read that he's the first mead man to start for Ireland, is that correct? Um, and I mean, to go from St. Pat's to Dundalk and then on to St. Mirren, where he's, he, he found a lot of form last year and obviously was in amongst the goals and assists. It's been a hell of a rise for him um, to come into the midfield and put in that sort of a shift against a quality side like Portugal. Yeah, and like his set pieces as well now will be a really beautiful mm. thing as well. Thought his corners. Um, I don't know for whatever reason I, I didn't think about it. I wasn't expecting him to be taking corners last night, but he seemed to swing in some great um, crosses last night. And obviously his like penalties for Saint Mary are like really good as well. So maybe if Connolly um, was rewarded that penalty, maybe McGrath would have been taking it. And yeah, like I think as I said earlier, not to repeat myself now, but like he gives the midfield a great kind of shape to it. His movement and creativity is excellent. And then um, just behind that. You have Colin and yeah, I, I get like the kind of the Hendrick criticism criticism. I don't think he played that well last night, but I still see why Kenny picked him. Like I do think there was like a need. It probably and hopefully it will be Malumbi going forward because I think the West Brom loan moves like really good and he's such a tenacious, energetic player. Like he's perfect for that role. Um, but last night, like if it was a case of like Howerin or or Hendrick, I'd rather Hendrick because I think he has covers more ground and in that kind of defensive responsibilities, like he's like a seasoned international under like Martin O'Neill, you know, so like he's well used to the like responsibility of without the ball and covering spaces and stuff. And so to be fair, I can see why Kenny picked him, but I think we all would like a kind of younger, more vibrant option going forward. Yeah, and with the quality of set pieces that McGraw was producing last night, it kind of <laughs> pushes Robbie Brady out even further, which was probably one of the only reasons to keep him in the squad as well. Um, I'm a huge Robbie Brady fan, but he just, obviously with injuries and form and everything, he just doesn't seem to, hasn't progressed as much as we, we would have hoped. Um, so if, you know, McGraw can keep producing that level of set piece as well, as well as the um, 
you know, quality of play in producing the game, then that's a fantastic option for Alan going forward as well, which is, has also been a problem area for us. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see um, if his transfer deadline day would have been a little bit different if uh, if that game had happened before then. Um, there was talk of him moving to Middlesbrough I think, uh, and didn't materialise. But, uh, I mean, after a performance like that against Portugal, you'd imagine there'd be a few championship clubs even sniffing around. Yeah, there was a strong Middlesbrough rumours, all right. And then just in the last few hours, they seemed to sign a number of different players. So I'm not sure what happened. They might have gone for a different midfielder in the end. But what I did read then was actually Hibs were meant to sign them. Like, they were actually determined to get paperwork done. But I think they were just too slow. Like, they were fully um, after me. It should have been completed. But there was some, like, mess up on their end. And I think their fans are fairly furious about it from what I read. So that was his plan. <laughs> Uh, that's one player we haven't mentioned uh, much maligned over the past year or 18 months um, on this podcast alone. I think we've, uh, I remember when Kenny first got the job, we were kind of circled this fella as, as the guy to to bring Ireland forward um, and it hadn't really happened yet. Um, got his move to Spurs where didn't really, you know, drive on there and it looked like, you know, they, if, if they had got a good offer him for him over the last week or two that he could have been gone out the door there as well. But, Hell of a performance from Matt Doherty. I mean, I was very skeptical of him starting on the left as that kind of you know inverted fullback or wingback, if you want to call it that. And um, even though over the course of the Euros, um, I mean, we praised the likes of Spinazzolo um, and Robin Gosens as as guys who who uh, you know did a good job of of, of you know being right footed left wing backs. Um, it did show that this could be something to look for in the future. I mean, he had one run in particular um, where he got past a couple of players on the left-hand side. I think it was a Bruno Fernandes or, or maybe Silva that kind of roofed him out of it uh, down the touchline. But, I mean, if he could produce that sort of form against a weaker side in Portugal and maybe get a little bit closer to the opposition box, I mean, yeah, hell of a difference maker for Ireland. Um, especially being able to cut onto that right foot. Yeah, it was a very revealing night for the Ireland left wing backs in terms of how Doherty played. And, you know, that run was in my mind as well, Kevin, at the start of the game. I think it came in the first 10 or 15 minutes where he he went past a couple of players before being hacked down. It just looked like the Matt Doherty of Wolves as opposed to the shadow we've seen at Spurs. Um, but defensively and offensively, he was just absolutely excellent throughout the night. Um, I was very concerned... Uh, I think we mentioned that Monday as well that, you know, we would be starting a lot of players who haven't really kicked the ball for their clubs this season. And Doherty was one of those players on my mind, but he was exceptional on the evening. Definitely his best performance in an Ireland shirt. Um, and then as soon as McLean took over at left wing back, uh, the dynamic of the Ireland setup completely changed. And uh, I felt McLean really let us down with that first goal in particular. And then the chance that it happened straight from kickoff as well. Um, so, you know, again, it's it's another kind of tick for Kenny that he could get that type of performance out of a player who's struggled so much in the past 12 months um, and definitely is one who still has an awful lot of minutes left in, in him at international levels. Um, so if he, could, if he could be a cover for those left and white ring backs positions, which I think are going to be so important for Kenny's formation going forward, um, that would be a great result for us as well. 
Yeah, I thought he was one of uh, Matt Doherty's best performances as well for Ireland, like without doubt. Like he was the one from the first half who just drove us on. We were under the cosh small bit at the start, but like he was the one who connected our midfield with our with our, with our back five and he was playing one twos, he was winning free kicks, just really effective and he was a really important figure last night. So like hats off to him because he's been criticized, but like it has been fair criticism, I think. I think he's been fairly like ineffective when he has played right wing back for us. It's been kind of like it's more like his body language, his actual um, purpose, but he just kind of looks, he looks quite labored a lot of times and like often just checks back inside or pass it backwards and stuff. Whereas, you know, last night was a real kind of driven performance and in fairness as well, like Stephen Kenny has kind of spoken about Matt a small bit in the last few months and saying like, actually like he's a really good character to have around. He's really driven for Ireland and he's playing through injuries and he's, seemed to be ill last night he felt unwell or whatever and he wanted to stay on so like he's kind of quietly a very valued squad member he's playing for one of he's playing for Spurs so you know one of the strongest clubs that our players play for and yeah if you can play left wing back like that for us at every international window like that'd be a fantastic option because we're kind of stuck maybe like when Stevens is out injured and I think Ender Stevens has gone past the best small as well James McLean is a bit of a makeshift option so to, have, to fit Matt Doherty and Coleman into the same team who are probably two of our most high-profile players like that and get both of them playing like eight out of ten performances like last night. If that was a regular fixture of our team, then like that could be a real, really positive outlet for us. So I look forward to seeing more of that in the future now, hopefully. I mean, in the, you mentioned uh, in the group chat last night that um, that Seamus Coleman is a, is a Royals rights player that you could play anywhere. <laughs> and I mean, it is 100% true. Um, when he ended up in the box or, or you know, in attack basically and, and brought the ball down did a little Jimmy uh, pass to the defender and he, he got a corner <laughs> of it I mean that was that was exceptional play um, and, and it's kind of wild to think back maybe two years ago or so when we were kind of wondering is his Irish career over I mean is he going to be shifted out now is he is he pushing on um, you know he was kind of in and out of the Everton squad but I mean last night proved that you know he is absolute quality and, and I, I think even still we don't really fully appreciate him yeah, absolutely. I suppose when somebody has such a bad leg break that he d- had, um, you're always going to have worries when they come back. Um, as did Everton, you know, bringing in the likes of Zadibi on loan, for example. But um, this concept of Coleman being played in the back three, which ironically was to facilitate uh, Doherty on the right wing back role that he played for Wolves, that now hasn't been the case. Um, but he was just absolutely exceptional. I, I just couldn't believe the <laughs> the quality he was producing. Everything he did just, you know, it was almost like a Roy Keane against Portugal 2001 type of performance. It would have been one of the great Ireland performances if we had gotten the win. Um, everything he did to get us over the line um, deserves a lot of credit. And I was good for him more than anybody because, you know, he's really embodied the best of what Irish football has tried to be in the past kind of 10 to 15 years moving from this you know attacking right back who played with so much freedom to then becoming a a far more defensively and tactically aware player to now being able to play in a back three for his country and still being able to produce the level of performances that he he has done um was just stunning uh and I was a real shame for him that we didn't go over the line all that being said, lads, I mean, it is very important that we follow this up now with 
a decent game against Azerbaijan um, and then Serbia next week. But I mean, you'd imagine World Cup qualifications beyond us at this stage. I think even mathematically, it's looking unlikely unless we manage to, to win all our games. Um, considering that defeat to Luxembourg was a uh, was such a kind of a, a killer blow that time. Um, but like you know, going into this Azerbaijan game. I do have a little bit of a worry that have some couple, couple of the lads emptied the tank, maybe, um, especially Adam Ida. Um, could we see a little bit of a change of shape, maybe something a little bit more attacking? Um, I mean, we have, a, we have a question from James on Twitter saying, um, are we going to see a 4-3-3 from Kenny, maybe with Connolly, Parrot and Ida? Um, you know, he does seem to favour this 3-5-2, but against a side like Azerbaijan, when you're at home, it will be interesting to see if he's a little bit more gung-ho and, and goes with the three boys up front. Yeah, I think I was kind of half expecting a four for the Azerbaijan match, to be honest, yeah, because I guess against Luxembourg, it was a five, and it just seemed like too cautious, and we could have afforded to have more players forward, because when teams kind of sit back against us, we're going to need to have more outlets attacking from the wing, or like an advanced midfield player, and just different options further up the field, so I think against Andorra, he kind of learned from the Luxembourg match, and played a four to back, and as much as it was like bit of a horror show for an hour on a terrible pitch. We did kind of come alive and create loads of chances towards the end. So I think um, he's spoken a lot about kind of making changes for this Azerbaijan match. He said we can't afford to just play our strongest team three times in a row that he learned uh, from the Luxembourg game that actually if your players aren't playing week in, week out, you can't afford to play those same guys, you know, uh, within the space of three days. So maybe Hendrick will come out, maybe Ida will come out if he hasn't played that much. But um, yeah, I'd probably expect something like um, maybe a front three of Horgan, maybe Ida and Parrot, something like that. I think maybe Daryl Horgan is a big game for him to play in because he's been like excellent for Ireland anytime he's played. Yeah. And then just have a 4 3 3 formation, I think, is quite possible as much as the five seems to really work in her against superior opposition. Yeah, Horgan and Parrot would be the two that were on my mind as well. Parrot obviously for his form and Horgan has never really let Ireland down and should have a lot of energy for a game like that against Azerbaijan. I would still like to see Ida start again just because, mm. you know, he, <laughs> what he showed the last night, like I just can't get it out of my mind really. And <laughs> it would be devastating to see him not continue that at the weekend. Um and of course, as still at 19 years old, you would think he'd be able to manage that, um, especially with very little minutes under his belt at Norwich this season. I know I think he's come on in all all three of their Premier League matches, but still, it's it's not quite the same. So, something a bit more adventurous. Uh, I'd agree with Ron that the the five at the back in in these tougher games are definitely the way Kenny and Ireland have to go. But against Azerbaijan, I, I'd I'd like to see something slightly more um, attacking and optimistic. Yeah, and in fairness, Horgan had probably his best game against Andorra at that time, uh, and he was in amongst the goals. So I think he would suit that sort of a game, especially if uh, you are going with the three. Um, he's probably one of our, our better wide available players um, in the absence of, of the likes of Robinson. Um, just in terms of like, we, we have wax lyrical about a number of players who were there last night, but in terms of some of the options that weren't involved and like, I think it's twelve players that that Kenny has debuted now, which which is incredible considering how short of a spell he's had so far. But I mean, Jason Knight was missing. Obviously, he's injured at Derby at the moment. Um, rather famously, 
famously there with a with Ray, Wayne Rooney. Um, oh, I mean, Gavin Kilkenny is, is playing week in week out with with Bournemouth now. Um, Troy Parrott obviously didn't come off the bench, and neither did Nathan Collins, who is now a, a Premier League player at the moment as well. Um, Chiodosio Benny, player I'm really excited mm. about. I'd love to see him get a chance, um, and could could be an option in one of those wider positions as well. Um, Jake Doyle Hayes is apparently doing really well at Hibs in in SPL. Ronan, I'm probably missing a few lads here, but there are there are yeah. a lot of na- names knocking on the door who who aren't even involved last night. Yeah, for sure. Like, and I think probably the main one would be Knight. Like, I know Jason Knight against uh, Hungary was like exceptional. Probably our man to match that day. So you know, just in front of like a kind of uh, sitting two midfielders, the amount of work rate that guy gets through. Like, and he's a bit of a he can play ball as well. Like, he's good touch him. He's able to pick a pass, but his work rate is like really really good. And I think for Kenny going forward, he'll be really important. So he was a miss. Um, Ogbeni, I'm with you there. Like I think he just brings a different dimension altogether. Like his his raw pace and energy, and he seems like so like committed to Ireland. And when he came on against Hungary, like he just gave it a hundred percent. And I think he was only on like four minutes, but it kept looking for the ball and kept on driving at people. So like if you think maybe we're saying Parrot on the right against Azerbaijan, imagine like Horgan and Ogbeni on the two wings. Like that would bring a really like you know pacey kind of. Um, attack and threat so um, they're kind of the main two that I probably miss but you know the great thing about Stephen Kenny as manager is though lads like a lot of the time in the past this is Mick McCarthy some of the like all the players have played really well last night but half of them wouldn't even be in the squad I don't think so like you know there isn't much scope for like complaining with this era because I think like the fans kind of optimistic um, progressive uh, ideas for our football team are finally mirrored by the international manager and that's a really special thing so like that's it's no wonder then why you know so many people want Kenny to succeed and we're kind of seeing well I think we saw the start of something quite special last night and the fans and team are aligning together so I just really hope it's as much in Serbia the fans just you know give the team as much support as they can and almost just pay tribute for that performance last night because it was such a high standard for such a young group so um, that's kind of how I'd see it to be honest I'm quite happy with his selections most of the time yeah, I'd agree. And I think it's, you know, testament to Kenny that when you look at somebody like Gavin Kilkenny, who only really has five <laughs> championship games under his belt, that we were surprised he wasn't in the squad. And, you know, we've suffered for a very long time with very predictable, very dull squad selections. Um, and we all had massive high hopes for Kenny to, you know, move the dial. And I think the last night was really the first sign that that's potentially going to happen, you know. It, it could all still fall apart as it could under any manager, but you know, he has the right profile. I think he has the bravery to really make the important decisions. Um, and over the next kind of 12 to 18 months, we'll find out a lot about what he's really capable of. But I think Ireland are definitely finally moving in the right direction. Um, and, you know, we've stopped really living in the past of trying to get the most out of lads who've who've been playing for 10 or 15 years and who just don't have anything left to give anymore um, at the international phase or even in their club in their club careers you know um so we're moving in a completely different direction and last night really proved that that's potentially very profitable for us going forward i mean there's no way in a million years in any of the previous regimes that Androma Bamadeli would have been in the squad, let alone would have been brought on um, 30 minutes into a game for his debut. I mean, like that just wouldn't have happened. There's no way. Like we, God only knows who we would have seen coming on under 
under Mick or Martin or, or any of the prior managers? Richie Kill. <laughs> Bring him back. Yeah. Oh, um, Ronan, like we do here, like to, to keep an eye on, on the under 21s and below. And I mean, I'm just looking through the under 21 squad uh, for the upcoming games. And I mean, it's always hard not to get excited about some of the names. Um, obviously, yeah. you're keeping tabs on a lot of these lads. Like Connor Coventry was on the bench for West Ham, who were absolutely flying it. Um, I think he's got a championship loan move. So if he if he did, you know, get a season under the championship, um, he's another midfield option straight away. Um, but it looks yeah. like, you know, Connor Noss, Ryan Johansson have, have nailed their colours to to the tricolour, um, regardless of, of guys like Odebeck who are still up in up in the air. But I mean you have you've Evan Ferguson, sixteen year old who came on for Brighton. Yeah. Um, Andy Moran, you've the two guys at Bowes, um, Dawson Devoy and Ross Tierney. I mean, Louis Watson at Derby. Um, you know, there's so many yeah. names there that it's kind of hard not to get excited about. A couple of guys at Celtic as well. Um, anytime I've seen Boss and Lowell, I've been just blown away by him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's, he's like Abdullah Decore or something. He's just a big, you yeah, know, physical freak. Yeah, I'd love to see him mm-hmm. get a chance. He's still only 18. Um, so, like, I mean, some of the names are popping off this under 21, Scott. It, it is hard to not to get excited about the future. And obviously, uh, it looks like we have the right manager to to bring these guys through. Yeah, and it's it's fantastic to see. I think like Connor Coventry is the first one you said there, and he's been to twenty one such a long time now. But I think this like championship loan move to Peterborough will stand to him so much. He just seems like such a player who kind of he wouldn't have like the best like pace in the world. It wouldn't be the most like um, energetic. But I think he's quite an intelligent footballer. He's a passer. I think like the championship experience and know how will really stand to him. And I, think he'll do really really well there so um like he's probably going to be a very interesting one to watch uh week in week out for me like over the next while and uh yeah it's just the um the brighton lads ferguson and Moran, evan ferguson like they're just the two they're kind of they're my two boys like they're two i just love covering the whole time so I, I think two i think two of them are just like exceptional altogether from any clips i've seen just from the, the data itself in terms of their goals and assists for their age and the age group they're playing at, like they're playing at under twenty threes now and even getting Brighton senior team minutes in in the cup as well. Um if you're talking with Ida's partner, like I think like Evan Ferguson, like everything he's done has just been like outrageous. He's just been like three years better than what he should be at every stage of his career so far. He's coming on for both against Chelsea age fourteen. Uh, here he is at age 16 coming on in the FA Cup um, like he's big he's pacey he's a finisher um, you know like people hyped up Park Need and all them for so long uh, I don't think you'd like call them complete like just like freaks in nature you're like good prospect here but like Ferguson like I think this put a lot of pressure on young fella's shoulders like but I think he'd uh, he'll be a Premier League striker he'll be a Premier League striker for sure like I think if you get Eden and him together front I'll look forward to that because I think even by the time he's 18 I think he'll be getting Premier League minutes and there'll be shouts for Ireland squad so hopefully he goes under the radar swap until then but I think he could be a big one and Andy Moore and if you're looking for a kind of Wes Hulhin character in the squad, then mm. geez, you have him. You you have him as well. Like so, I think they're the two really interesting ones to watch, and they deserve 21 minutes, even though they're only 16 and 17 for sure, because they're every bit as good as the other lads there who are like 20, 21 years of age. Yeah, and Leo Connor back at Tranmere again this season, which is you know thankfully another great move for him because I he's definitely a player I see who could cover five or six positions for Ireland. 
if he does progress as well as he should. Um, and I was gutted actually mm-hmm. when he left United, to be honest. And Louis Watson mm-hmm. is very heavily regarded at Derby as well. So a huge amount of options coming through. Uh, and they all seem to be getting the right loans as well, which is a great sign, mm-hmm. obviously, for young players that they'll progress properly. So I think Kenny's going to have a huge amount of options going forward in the next couple of years. Even on the, the League of Ireland front leads, I mean, Liam Scales obviously got his move, but he looks like he's not too far off uh, the squad. I mean, it, it, the likes of Enda Stevens is pushing on now. Um, you know, we haven't seen a whole pile of Ryan Manning, so he could be the next League of Ireland alumni to, to break into the squad. But, I mean, Andy Lyons at Bowes um, got a lovely goal mm-hmm. the other day and, and obviously yeah. Dawson Devoy and, uh, and Ross Tierney look, I mean, they're playing week in, week out in the League of Ireland to a really high standard with Bowes um, and along with Moran um, and obviously James Talbot who was, who was brought into the senior mm-hmm. squad. So there are lads knocking around uh, our local league yeah. who uh, who could be out there or thereabouts yeah. as well. Yeah, those Bowes lads are special talents. Like against Pauk, their level of performance was outrageous. Like Andy Lyons is a fantastic right back. I can't remember who it was during the week, but they compared him to like Seamus Coleman, his like style, how he runs. Um, like I think he like, he seems to have the right attitude, the right mentality, and he's really positive, uh, like right back. Because I was thinking, as much as we have great talent coming through, I was trying to think uh, what happens when Seamus Coleman retires if like Matt Doherty say he would stay left wing back, and that's going. Hopefully, O'Connor comes into his own, but I do think like Andy Lyons will get a move to the UK. I think in the next year or two anyway, because I think he's too good not to. And Dawson Devoy and Ross Tierney are the same. Like again, two very good technical players, so. Both are kind of blessing us with, with these talents, if you include um, Evan Ferguson as well. Absolutely, yeah, I saw yeah. somebody called Tierney the Irish Thomas Muller, <laughs> which <laughs> you know, is is big shoes to fill, but you know, the exactly the type of player that you know yeah. we've been missing out on really between linking forward play and midfielders. So yeah, huge amount of talent coming through there. Jesus, if we got as long as uh <laughs> long out of him as as Germany got out of Thomas Muller, we would have been okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's just back to the senior squad in for a second. I mean, two big games against Serbia and uh, and Azerbaijan coming up. Like, is it unreasonable after the Portuguese performance to to expect maybe four points out of that? Um, you know, it would be nice to 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 put a, a nice convincing win, especially in front of the fans for the first time. It's going to be the first time that most of these players will be playing international football in front of fans. So it is going to be an interesting experience. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, four points, probably the, the expectation, all right, like that that would be a fairly decent return. Um, hopefully now, like the return to fans can give the players like an extra boost because as you say, like for a lot of them, it's their first time playing in front of the, the Irish crowd. So um, off the back of the Portuguese result, maybe we'll start slowly because it was such a high effort and such like a come down from, from you know, it was such a positive 80 minutes and the lads might be tired but I think if we can kind of get through the first 10 minutes or so and find a groove get the fans behind us you know there will be an extent of confidence in there from taking on Portugal so if we can really drive it Azerbaijan maybe use those wingers um, like Corgan um, you know I think we get a good performance there hopefully a win oh, it'll just to get that win at home and just like it kind of erases the Luxembourg result in some ways if we do that and then have a spring in our step going into the Serbia game and Hopefully, I think last time we were very, very even, evenly matched with them, and you know, poor Mark, Mark Travers had a tough game. But apart from that, like we could have even won. So, um, yeah, I'll be optimistic. I, I think I like four points, and I probably expect four points as well. 
Yeah, I'd agree. We we saw in the three two against them, and you know, as Ron said, Mark Travers had a bit of a nightmare, which we wouldn't expect Bazunu to have. Um, very evenly matched, and you know, a lot of confidence I would feel going into that match, but obviously would need to get the job done against Azerbaijan. Um, I saw Serbia beat Qatar, who are, you know, not a bad international outfit themselves. Four 0 yesterday in a friendly, so they're going to be confident, obviously going into the Ireland match, but um, I think. From what we produced yesterday, I don't think anybody would have anything to fear against Serbia. Mm. But obviously, getting the win against Azerbaijan is absolutely crucial. Yeah, well, after that Portugal game, I think our tune has slightly changed um, <laughs> from from uh, uh, I wouldn't a little bit downbeat over the past year or two. But um, hopefully, uh, that was a little bit of a turning point, and it did it did feel like a coming of age game for a lot of these young players um, and a lot of young lads to come in as well over the next uh, while so in the Ronan thanks for a million for coming on tonight thanks thank thanks for coming appreciate it respect 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 man respect 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 so we leave it there so okie doke good night and god bless <laughs>